0: You guys look both very concerned today. I, it
1: just reminds me of when Axel Rose played Hershey Park. <laughs> jumped into the crowd, got stabbed, and then had to get pulled back out and it delayed the concert there at Hershey That's Park. That's a really positive That's, message for a Friday. I mean, thank you for that. Just saying
0: Well at least Axel showed up to that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't before he got started getting paid what, like three or four bucks per show, like he does now. I I, I don't think it was enough for him to actually show up. Anyway, welcome everybody to episode number 63 of the Light Shed podcast on the ninth day of July, year 2021. And today is a very special day, a day we want to honor a very special man. Our partner, the king of satellites, the master of Leos and 5G2. The man who knows Marvel and gin and visors and barstool shirts. The one with little patience for Joe Galone sausage.
1: (laughs) Making the sausage. Too much sausage.
0: Now married for 25 years. The one and only... Walter.
1: 25 blissful years. Blissful years. The one and only.
0: Congratulations, Walter. Thank you very much. The one and only Walter Pysik. And in honor of Walt's special day today, whatever it may be, we wanted to prepare a little montage for you, our audience. Now, this is a video montage. So, (laughs) or a picture. Montage. For so, po- are you going to narrate it so for the podcast listeners? I, not, no, I'm not, not no, no. going to narrate is... it, but I this is more encouragement. I know everybody likes to just, I don't know, listen to the podcast, but if you watch, you get to see special things like this and eventually Rich's Peacock video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. The oh, there is music the
1: Fun, 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 look look at the re- look how much hair. Rippin' rippin' and the oh. carrot. Rippin' and the chair. Ripping! Oh. Rippin and the carrot. Oh. <laughs> Why was I holding
0: <laughs> Joe Let No idea pass. But I found that pixel. Fly <laughs> Eagles fly <laughs> on the road to victory. <laughs> fight Eagles fight some of, that <laughs> that's best yeah. <laughs> some of those
1: that work forces are the same that bar crosses <laughs> some of those that work forces
0: the one. Uh, are the same a one. that bar crosses some of those that work that's a good one
1: that's even better than the pie one welcome to the jungle we got fun and game that would be fishing. the way,
0: The day that we, we all left. The well, to the Oh no, oh no, yo yo yo, oh no, you didn't. Sucker tried to blame me, but you never paid me, never. Oh no, you didn't. Payback is a coming, ever. you will be running forever. Might have oh cut that no, thing you I did know. Until <laughs> I get my vengeance, I will never end <laughs> this name.
1: Uh. I had a lot of that. That, that last song was one of my favorites. I used to have all I, my kids memorize that song. I and know, and you
0: used to sing it. Uh, we all obviously yeah. sat in the same room. I for can't believe many, you many remember years. that
1: one. That was fucking long ago. How, Holy shit! How
0: could I not remember it? You sang it every day, every like day. fifty times a day, and I was always like, "What?" <laughs> I, singing this random song, and then I was like, "Is that the show that you invested in? Remember, you invested in the <laughs>
1: Oh right, show? oh yeah, and you forgot to put like, some. You forgot to put some Matilda songs. Okay,
0: so this isn't actually. From, I, I didn't do. From, I was thinking I should have done
2: Shrek. I didn't do Shrek, which or was Shrek. really my big mistake. As I should have done my the Shrek music, the musical but... theme song, but. that is true I used to play a
1: lot of Shrek as well I
2: I will say it was very careful editing of Black Beach like it was very hard (laughs) to edit that to make it podcast appropriate like it was a lot of editing skill
0: also also for for the record um for right before we um we went live on the air rich and i had been sort of planning and talking about this and we're literally messaging about it and rich was sharing his screen with the wider group including walt including his oh that's why you were calling which is which is why and it's like scrolling through saying well if walt doesn't like it we can edit it out this and the other thing (laughs) <laughs> and okay. and it's just up the whole time, even though it was supposed to be a surprise. Oh, so that okay, was. <laughs> me,
2: could we start the podcast now? I mean, like no. we got we got a lot of stuff to go okay. through this week. It's, okay, it's, it's uh, let, let's, let let's hit this. Hold on. So we have got we Sun Valley is the big topic we're going to start with. We've got Michael okay. Rapino in his own words to kick things off. By the so way, R-
0: Rapino not only invited to Sun Valley, but getting a um, a featured slot there with Julia pretty
2: cool so so let's listen to michael
1: you know we're listen we're very excited about the american market um you know seventy percent of our business is going to be the u.s and the uk those two markets seem on track um in america we're fully open at this point we've got 30 amphitheater tours that are starting this week across the country full capacity um we've got Rolling Loud next week in Miami at 200,000 people, Lollapalooza. So about 10, 15 festivals on sale that'll happen this summer. So we're, we're wildly excited that the U.S., the U.K. is on plan. We're going to be in business. We had always expected Asia to be a 22 business. They were behind on vaccines. So that's, uh, that's something we had banked on this year. And we think Europe starts to come together late in the summer, probably a fall business for us. But really, the big win for us in this summer is if we could get the U.S. and the U.K. back to business by July, that was the big win. And that's happening.
0: Okay, so I think I mean, it's very self-explanatory. U.S., U.K. live events businesses um, are really starting to take off. But he gives you kind of some keys as to what's going on in the rest of the world where the Delta variant um, is running a little bit even more rampant than it is here and vaccination rates are lower and he specifically calls out Asia as being behind and that kind of I guess ties to what's going on with the Olympics now um, which has been in the news and Rich has a tweet here which you can read Rich
2: so CNN breaking news, this was from, I believe, yesterday morning, spectators have been dropped from the 2021 Olympic venues in Tokyo, where a state of emergency will be in effect during the games. And look, it, it, I guess it's great that the games aren't being canceled, because I think that was top of mind for a lot of people. It's two weeks away. But, you know, the Olympics was already going to sort of be underwhelming with only, you know, Japanese fans in the audience. Now we're talking about no one. in it. it's literally going to be just like we had last last spring. Uh, and summer, when all the sports we were watching were fanless, and it's—I think you know, especially for a thing like the Olympics, where the crowd noise feels like such a part of the event, this is going to have a major impact on ratings. I, I've got to believe this is going to be a big deal.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean it probably will. Although I don't think sports ratings in general have right. been <laughs> been very good anyway. That's what I was just going to say. Is I, like,
1: yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry.
0: Go ahead, Walt.
1: No, I was going to say, like, I think just follow on what you're saying, Brandon. Is I think we all agree that fans in the audience actually make things great, but like, look at the ratings for for basketball. Right,
2: ratings have
0: been. I <laughs> think what you were, were going to board. say. Yeah. No, that's. I yeah. mean that that's that's exactly um, what I was going to say. I think. Yeah. Look, the atmosphere does matter a lot, and especially like being there has been pretty electric over the course of, of these playoffs, but you have to really be concerned about sports ratings in general. And. Well, so um, why don't we bring it up? So I just yeah. called an
2: audible and like, bring it up. I mean, look at how bad these numbers are. I mean, why don't
0: we just ant- read some read of them, them
2: all. off? Yeah. Go, yeah ahead, go
0: ahead, rich. You're the reader today.
2: Okay. So <laughs> NBA playoff, this is sports media, watch NBA playoff viewership, um, up 35% from the bubble down 10% from 2019. Um, but I think the real problem is, is if you, which was not great. Cause the, you know, I think the, the downward trend is continuous. The NHL Stanley cup finals was up 8% from the bubble, but down 22% from 19 pretty depressing. But then yep. we just got game one. We, we don't have game two from last night, but game one of the NBA finals was eight and a half million viewers. Like it almost looks like a mistake when you look at it. You know, the the fact that it's down 35 percent from 2019, which had a Toronto team playing, so a Canadian team playing and down 50 percent from 2018. God, it's just these numbers are just they almost look they almost look wrong. Like they're just that bad in terms of just the the depths of it. But, you know, look, even WWE, Brandon, which I know you've been sort of focused on sort of the the content challenges.
0: Sure. WWE, though, as a reminder, has not yet broadcast. Um, um, they're not back on tour. So this is still crowdless. However, the, the numbers- That's going to change soon though, right? That is, that is about to change, but you have to be concerned by these numbers. I mean, raw down to what? what 1.472 million viewers, according to um, Brandon Thurston here, um, which is the lowest it's ever been. And Going well, back to 1993, you can blame. Yeah, go, <laughs> um, you, you could you could blame the pandemic all you want, and you can, um, blame the lack of crowds. But there's a very very clear, um, content issue still at the WWE, and um, that's something that they're gonna that they're gonna have to get worked out with fans or without fans.
2: But, but I want the, to just go back to this for a second because this issue with fans, like just adding to the over, you know, sports has a problem to begin with.
0: beyond. yeah.
2: No, no, sports has a problem. Like that's what you guys are both talking about. Sports has a fundamental ratings problem. We all see it. We all know it. It's why we. I mean, we were talking a Buzzer yesterday on Light Shed Live. Yep. They're trying to get figure out a way to get you know what what Bohan calls a sort of a Gen Z problem of like they're just not watching. I. It's not just Gen Z, but yeah. obviously it, it's more acute at the younger
0: demos. We've picked this apart a lot. We yep. wrote that giant piece last year, which we should probably update now that we know um, what things look like post um, post pandemic. Which, but, is- but the reason
2: this is an acute problem in the next month is just to frame this for our audience: the Olympics has a billion and a half ad dollars crammed into 17 days. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting. You know what happens with no fans, and what ha- how advertisers react to you know viewership levels if they really are notably bad.
1: I also saw something yesterday, just talking about is there going to be a backlash against um, advertisers associated with an Olympics that many people mm-hmm. think shouldn't be happening because of this surge in the Delta virus in that particular country, and are advertisers that paid for those ads. You know, could it be that some of them don't even want them shown because there's going to be, you know, people that are like really kind of whatever. I don't know what you want to call them, but like very more focused on the the virus than others that, you know, are going to go after the advertisers for being a part of this. It's such
2: a tough situation for NBC to be in, right? You know, in the Olympics in general, right? Because you've had athletes that have been training now effectively for five years, putting everything in. And it, it's just, you, you know, there's no, you've got this fundamental challenge. The U.S. Olympic Committee needs the money or the Olympics committees needs the money. NBC needs the advertising. Like, it's just a very difficult situation overall. Let's stick with Sun Valley. Zaslov, who's always great for quotes, Bloomberg Technology has, Discovery CEO David Zaslav, it, has announced acquisition of AT&T's film and TV businesses, I would say also gaming businesses, said, Media consolidation will only accelerate, and he intends to be a catalyst.
0: I think he said more than be a catalyst it's a, It sounded like they intend to continue to be a consolidator sure.
2: so but, I mean the, but you're starting the, with five times leverage no in no 20, I, in, in summer summer fall twenty twenty two with a massive integration,
0: you could do stock deals.
1: Is that really new, though, Rich? Because I think when we had him on our Light Shed, um, Light Shed Live, or Premium Access, that he was like saying, like, "Rich, I got bigger things planned." I, I thought, I thought he was kind of like, like he's that, he is that guy, right? Like, this is just step one. Like, you know, he's building the empire.
2: Oh, think about so it. I this mean, shouldn't it took-
1: be a shock, I guess. He, he- that he's talking about this more publicly. I mean, look. I think Brandon nailed it. I mean, when when D- Discovery
2: bought Scripps, Brandon basically was his view was they bought a better company. So like they bought up, right? Like they Discovery wasn't going to be critical to the future, but Scripps was. It was sort of oh, critical programming and
0: lower affiliate fee. Um, but also just also but more and, and brand, but, but
2: more brand equity with consumers. Like you know, food and HG were sort of important brands for consumers. If you think about what he's just done now, is he's bought up and he's now he's now he's got HBO and
0: Warner Brothers and
2: there's probably more to come.
0: OK, so yeah. what's next? I mean, basically, if you look at the landscape, it, what makes the most sense if they never did a deal with Universal, which would seem to be tougher to do now, you're talking about um, CBS Viacom. And that comes down to Sherry and what she wants to do, number one. Um, well, it and- would
2: mean getting rid of CBS, which I think is hard to imagine. But why do you say Discovery Whoa. Warner would be hard to do?
0: Why would it imagine? if Why would you have to get rid of CBS to have C, to have Discovery, Warner, and and Viacom, Viac together? Oh, I'm sorry. If you're saying if Discovery, if the, no, oh, okay, yeah, yes. yeah. So yes. if Discovery, Warner Bros. Discovery, whatever the fuck they're calling yes. it, <laughs> it doesn't do a deal with NBCU. Yes. Then the other choice would be to do a deal with. Viacom Viacom
2: Sure. Absolutely conceivable and possible, but again, that requires Viacom to want to sell and not be in control. meaning National amusements and Charlotte Redstone, which is feels unlikely over the next couple of years, but a lot can change. I mean, I think the reality and the, the, what I don't love about this quote is, at the end of the day, nothing's happening with Warner Media Discovery probably for two years. I mean, <laughs> they're going to have to close this deal integrate a massive acquisition of assets that the discovery management team has never overseen. I don't think anything's happening before late 2023 at the earliest. So I think this is sort of cart before horse in terms of talking about future M&A. And I sort of agree with Walt that like, this isn't really anything surprising or or shocking. All of these companies are going to need to keep buying and building because they're tiny. You've got trillion, multi-trillion dollar companies Facebook's a trillion dollar company, Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft. These companies are so tiny, of course they're going to need to do M&A and scale up to survive in the future. That just seems
0: obvious. Assuming regulatory allows them to do it, of course.
2: Uh, we'll get to that today. We'll get to oh, that, I promise.
0: I'm so excited.
2: So, I, we had to bring up this Diller quote cuz to oh me this goodness. Kim Masters captured it well. This is an NPR interview well, that more, happened Diller. More
0: cool shades. Yeah, more cool <laughs>
2: shades out of Sun Valley, of course, because every mogul has got to have their and, cool and shades. Jets. I, my, as, yeah, as they talk about favorite. climate change and they fly in on their private jets. I think my favorite part of this is just if you th- think about the age of all the people that are commenting on sort of the future of the media business. So we've got these streaming services have been making something that they call, quote unquote, movies, he said, talking about Diller. They ain't movies. There's some weird algorithmic process that has created things that last
1: 100 minutes or so. Um i' don't, I'm not sure what he's referring to. I just don't know what specific <laughs> movies he's referring to. I but I do know. know movies that did lasted longer than one hundred minutes, Tenet being one of them, and that was not a great movie,
0: yeah. but i'll well, also I'll also say this, Rich, one of the things that Netflix specifically has done is kind of to save the indie movie business. How about
2: rom-coms like lots of categories, yeah. not just indies, but yeah. lots of stuff
0: categories. that isn't remotely formulaic on streaming services, documentaries. Uh, there's there's been a lot of content that probably would have disappeared if not for the streaming services. So I would say that or
1: we would never have seen
0: Mr. Well, Diller's quote is extremely misguided. Well,
2: yeah, but but let's go a little step further because I wrote down a little I did a little prep. For oh, this. So, so okay. Netflix has five best picture nominations in the last three years. Okay. Two films have ten nominations in each of the last two years, plus animated and feature docs. They've done things like Extraction and Old Guard, not huge, not like critically acclaimed films, you know, meaning like Oscar worthy, but tremendous viewership. Mm-hmm. And you've got things like Hand of God, Red Notice, Don't Look Up, Adam Project. You've got a lot of big movies that I think people are going to be surprised about.
0: It's almost like judging Netflix on the first
2: year of original TV shows. But
0: Even if they're not big movies, the point is there's a ton of variety of stuff on there. And like the great thing about the streaming services and the amount of content that's on them is the idea of there being something for everybody and getting away from just only leading with the big blockbuster, which is the way that the theatrical business was going because it wasn't financially tenable for all those other sort of mid budget movies to continue to exist. So his, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but look, what 100-minute movies are like, talking talk. about? Just, just give me a list. He, he, the ones he, that the algorithms made. It, look, it's very <laughs> easy. Think that was Star should... Wars. Wasn't um, Leia an algorithm
1: or an, something like that? First of all. That was a real we, movie, though, wasn't it?
2: Can we talk about movies like Solo? I mean, there's like plenty of bad movies from Solo really big, powerful stu- studios, uh, right? Like. Okay. Marvel's been incredible. Every Marvel movie has been amazing. Yes. Better and worse, but like nothing like that would, you would call a donut, but like every studio has tons of donuts. Like, uh, okay. So, but on Marvel,
1: I would up the ante on that and say thanks to Disney plus we've got uh, a number of great shows that are coming through on the streaming service that I think are a product of them trying to drive subscribers to Disney plus. So while, you know, whatever movie Marvel comes out with, like Loki has been fucking great. You know, um, WandaVision was was great. The other one, not so great, but whatever. Like this is content. Thanks. Thanks to the streaming wars, as you would call it.
2: The right? the the, the post credits, Walt, I hear have a really nice shout out for a coming Disney Plus series Rich, inside no of Black spoilers. Widow. No spoilers. No, I'm not giving but you a spoiler. I'm just
1: telling you. I'm actually you, more surprised a- that, you know, because of my my, my kids were, were complaining about this um last night about how all the the things got knocked out of whack because of covid unfortunately but like it would have been great if loki had led in something to this movie maybe loki's got another episode next week maybe there's something that drives viewership um to black widow we'll see but um whatever but i think this is from what i was told maybe i'm
2: wrong but i was reading something i think this is the first feature film i know this is also premier access but it's the first feature film that actually gives a promo for a disney plus series at the end, I don't, I don't know, know if that's true.
1: I don't know if that's true because, um, yeah, I don't think that's true. I don't know.
2: But Maybe I also. read it wrong. Okay. Uh, let's shift gears and talk uh, a little regulatory, Walt.
0: Hell yes.
1: Well, this today, um, the Biden administration released an, ex- I guess they call it an executive order that encourages something, the FCC, to restate net neutrality. Rules, yada yada yada. This is a tweet that Rich has up, but I want to focus on. Let's start with. There's five different elements of this that I want to talk about, and and let's start with Engadget's first line in their story on this: the movement to get the FCC to restore net neutrality just gained some serious traction. (laughs) So what Biden the Biden administration said was like, "We want net neutrality to happen," which is what they said on the campaign trail. You can encourage the FCC to do something, but um, as a reminder, the FCC has two Republicans and two Democrats, the Democrat. And, and they've got differing views on net neutrality and also a still acting head acting head. But that doesn't matter. The, the bigger point is, like, if the Biden administration wants to gain some serious traction, perhaps they should put up a third Democrat to change and have a fifth commissioner. On Why the hasn't FCC. that happened? Because you can encourage the FCC all you want, but it, it, that doesn't mean shit unless you have. So the Biden administration, I think this has been in the media. You can look at the number of appointments, whether it's ambassadors or whatever that they've made relative to to recent past presidents. But like, it's to me, it's a it's silly thing to to profile. This is like some big move on net neutrality. Put up a put up a commissioner, and 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 let's move this forward. I mean, look, there's more to it than that. Obviously, they've got to balance things out and yada yada. But like, don't claim that this is like something new or that this is going to move net neutrality forward, you don't have a fifth commissioner. That's that's the first thing on net neutrality. Second thing our clients uh, or some of our, our listeners may care about is there's something about limiting non-competes in employment contracts. So we'll see how enforceable that is, but certainly that's something that all of us have dealt with uh, at some point. Um, in our careers in the financial services industry, hopefully, or we'll see if it, it, it applies in this scenario. But that was an. It's interesting- been a big issue in
2: California. So Netflix has been involved in, you know, it's been a multi-year lawsuit with Fox and others oh. related to the enforceability of non-competes in the tech industry in California. So it's been a
0: very big issue.
1: Sure, exactly. it, it definitely, definitely goes a hedge
0: fund. It definitely
1: goes beyond financial services. But for no, no list, I know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one, people. So let's keep an yeah. eye on that. Any any people sitting on the beach right now? <laughs> So the third one is early termination fees for ISPs. I don't, this is crazy because I don't think ISPs, we asked a couple prior to the today's podcast, Charter, LTs, whatever. They don't have, I'm on Verizon. I don't have a contract. So Uh, the uh, Biden uh, administration uh, uh, wants to reduce the termination fees of getting out of,
2: yeah. Wait, hold on. Time, I got to call an I got to call a timeout. Anyone ever change their broadband provider, Wired? Like, does that actually, actually, who actually does that? Because I
0: haven't met a whole lot of, Wired. Oh my goodness! Yes, but When have you York switched? City? I personally haven't, but most of my building um, had switched to FiOS when that came along, and I've. But how many years ago? Like a decade ago? Probably like four or five years ago. But I will say this: I have threatened many times to switch providers <laughs> to get my bill lower, <laughs> and and they, and they didn't threaten back because you didn't have an early termination fee. But look, but look, the bigger
1: issue here: you ask any advocate about that once um, that has issues with net neutrality or broadband or yada yada. It, it's not about the termination fee. It's the lack of competition that exists in any given market where someone can offer you competitive. So like, who cares if you're paying the termination when there's no real competitor to go to? So that was kind of... Sick. The fourth thing um, was multi-dwelling units. This basically means if you're an apartment complex, they want to make sure the ISPs don't do exclusive. This one's going to end up, I think, in courts because I don't know how you limit you can talk it on the ISPN, but what if the what if the guy running the building doesn't want multiple providers
2: i will tell you though cuz i live in a co-op in new york city uh, and i've lived in multiple buildings throughout the city i think this is sort of a decade old like this used to be a big issue like the exclusive contracts now all the buildings are realizing the how much money they can save as a building by bidding the two against each other and so the best thing ever was fios fighting with time Warner cable now obviously charter spectrum but it's been great for rates in the building versus right. the opposite. But I don't Rich, even understand.
0: I, I, what was the one I, Joe Galone used to have? RCN. RCM, Rich,
1: I think so. I think the issue, Rich, is not necessarily in your building, but in lower income multi-dwelling units where there's just not investment, the guy's not letting yep. anyone else in. So I can see the purpose here, but like to me, it's like you can force the, the ISPs to not do the non-compete. I don't know how you force the building to actually connect something, they control what goes in. And then lastly, obviously this is the big one, antitrust. And like at, at the root of it, it's basically the Biden administration saying like, FTC, FCC, do your job because we don't think past administrations have not done it. There was one word in there though that said um, to challenge deals that the past administration did not challenge. So obviously the past administration challenged AT&T, Time Warner. Technically they didn't, Challenge Sprint T-Mobile. That was the states. If you remember, the FCC and DOJ were fine with it. So, it's possible the Biden administration could be telling antitrust to go back after Sprint T-Mobile. Unscrambling eggs is a huge deal. I, it seems hard to make that happen. Are there any other ones that that I'm forgetting about? I mean, the one that was shocking to us was,
2: I mean, Disney just went in and bought Fox. Like they basically became. They were already the largest movie studio. We
0: know why, though. We discussed. I understand.
2: Somebody called up. You know, Fox News calls up Trump and gets things done. I get that. But from a from a regulatory standpoint, you gave an incredible amount of power to the Walt Disney Company, really with very little diligence on what it meant for. You know, look. You could say
0: half the theatrical box office.
2: Yeah, look. You could say at the end of the day, that's not a big
0: deal because. (laughs)
1: <laughs> how do you unscramble these eggs in the case of sprint t-mobile they've already punted boost to dish there's so many different things that have already been they're already shutting down the sprint network how do you unscramble the sprint network will be shut down within the next six months by the time well, you get I, around to reper you know regoing after them like the network's I, literally turned off
2: and, and let's look let's go back in time to the obama administration right which was a democratic administration like they basically let Facebook buy all these things. Right. I mean, all these things that they're now, you know, they they just, the, you know, the government just got literally, you know, spanked in court with trying to attack Facebook from an antitrust standpoint. I mean, you know, all of these ridiculous was
1: the vice president. So when they say past administrations right. that didn't which past administration, well, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, it's just
2: sort of absurd. Like, you know, Democrats approved all of these transactions. I mean, Charter was able to buy Time Warner Cable. I mean, it made Charter massive, like.
0: Although well, Comcast was able although, to buy NBC. Like, but Comcast I, I, was not allowed to buy Time Warner Cable. Warner Cable. So at least we called that one, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, so there's obviously more
1: in this that, yes, we did, um, <laughs> among others. But uh, there's, there's obviously more in this. Those were the kind of the five big takeaways. And it's more encouragement than actual
2: the funniest one to me, though, Walt, is just net neutrality, because it's like, we've lived with net neutrality, we've lived without net neutrality. I, it's hard to believe it's even a story that net neutrality might because come there back. Because
0: there is no difference.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because you're encouraging the FCC to do something, and they can't pretty much do it because you haven't actually appointed the fifth commissioner to the FCC to break the inevitable tie that would occur on net neutrality. So, like, it's just... I don't know. Let's move Walt.
0: on. He's waiting to raise your taxes first. So we've got Lucas Shaw
2: with a couple of tweets. Actually, i start with this first one. Universal will license its movies to Peacock instead of HBO starting next year. There is no shocker about this. We've sort of been talking about this. The new information was Amazon Prime and IMDB TV, Inc. a licensing deal with Universal. So Normally, the first window for a movie is the first 18 months uh, is what you would sort of be licensing out. And so from the time that it starts home video or starts um, pay TV, uh, you know, sort of HBO, Netflix, whatever the window might have been, if you know, as movies went from theatrical to home video into their whatever that streaming service or pay TV service would be. Normally, that was an 18 month window. What's effectively happened here is we've broken it up. So for the first four months of that pay TV window, it'll be on Peacock. For the next 10 months, it's going to be on Amazon. For the next four months, it'll be on Peacock. Uh, So, and then after that, it's going to go to its pay two window. And my guess is you're going to see announcements in the not too distant future of who's buying pay two as well. So you're going to have sort of, um, you know, it's probably a little confusing to the consumer from a universal standpoint tremendous revenue opportunity. They're making more off Amazon than they were making off HBO, plus they're getting the ability to sell it into Pay2, plus they're also getting um, these this content for Peacock. So I think there's sort of two major things to think about. W- one is they clearly are recognizing that they have to do more to get people to actually care about Peacock. So that's one, because this was certainly not the original plan. On the flip side, they still can't get off the drug of taking incremental money to cover their movie business. And so, because if they really were all in on Peacock, they would just say, we're taking this for ourselves like Disney is and just say, we're keeping it. They're still slicing and dicing, playing sort of the old media game of windowing to maximize revenue and profitability. So it really, to me, the, the, the biggest ending takeaway is... They don't really believe that Peacock is a Netflix competitor. They're doing just enough on Peacock, but they're not really focused on making Peacock a massive destination. That's sort of the way I, I sort of read this. The
1: last little
0: piece of this they know is just, They know their lane, essentially. Yeah, exactly. What is their lane?
1: Like, What is Comcast? Why do they even bother doing all these different things when they can't focus enough to actually, you know? I mean, we were talking about this yesterday on the IoT side, and they had the opportunity to build- IOT or CBRS into all these modems or or set top boxes, they have the ability to to. We talked on this about this years ago um, to win the home, like, and they just they have these opportunities and they just don't do shit with them. Like Peacock is technically an opportunity that they're like half assing it on. Like, so what's the end game here? Like, what's the point? And and then by the way, why do they ever sell? Why does Comcast never sell this stuff? Like, you know, there, there's these assets that they kind of half ass. That someone else could obviously integrate, you know, into their business, like just punt it.
0: Big company well, look, we, problems. I mean, no, look, maybe, maybe it's as simple the, as the, the NFL for the home is actually a very interesting one that you bring up, Walt, because I remember like going back in history. I remember when the Netflix Comcast deal first happened to put mm-hmm. Netflix on, on the, the set top. Exp- and, yep. and we were like, you know, they realize yeah that that there's something powerful about being the operating system for the home and they want as many people on that operating system as possible and, and then that was happened. one of the strategic reasons then they kind of like screwed around with X1 has you know i mean it just stopped it's, <laughs> it's better than other um set top boxes but never really Um, took it too far. And then, but they had this machine box and they were going to do the Walmart thing. It just, nothing's really happened. And Walt, you just brought up the point that they could have put other things into the box there was millions of
1: boxes that turned over when they were doing, what was it? The, the three Oh upgrade where there was the modem on the set top box. They could have put Laura in there, which is now the default standard for, for a portion of the IOT market. They could have put CBRS spectrum in there, which now would allow them to reduce their roaming expenses to Verizon. And they didn't do it. Like, like, I don't understand what they're doing there. I I think we're overthinking it. I think it's actually just sort
2: of in a way it's almost playing defense versus offense. Like, they're in the TV business. So the upfront, you know, this is a variety article, TV's historic upfront secret primetime TVC's exodus of ad dollars. Like ad rates went up a lot because there's, you know, obviously dramatically falling eyeballs. But the way that the upfront wasn't a complete and utter train wreck is that they package in Peacock. So, hey, you don't really want to buy NBC anymore. Yes, you want to buy the Olympics. Yes, you want to buy something at football, but you're getting sort of tired of buying you know, eight o'clock on Tuesdays, because it's just not performing the way it used to. Hey, we'll offer you Peacock too. And hey, NFL, we are still an important partner. We can get you not just reach on linear TV, we're going to give you reach on digital devices and connected TVs with Peacock as well. Like I think it's a little bit defensive rather than offensive. I don't think they're trying to be, I mean, you know, HBO Max is certainly trying to go after Netflix. I don't think that's really Peacock strategy. I think it's a more defensive approach and trying to protect legacy businesses like their big ad business than it is actually trying to quote unquote win in streaming.
0: Rich, let's go back to the meeting we had with NBCU right before Peacock launched. And so October, November, 2019. And Linda Iaccarino was in there. And the first thing that she said was what? We think there's $2 billion of low-hanging fruit If we can package in, if we have the digital ad inventory to package in um, with the linear business.
2: And it's simply because it was
0: always about advertiser. It was always because
2: because these stupid, these stupid Stupid. legacy antiquated (laughs) media mix models say, oh, my God putting an ad on TV is better than putting it on or is different, is a different silo than putting it on TikTok. Now, Walt, I know you still don't get TikTok ads, but the rest of the world gets TikTok ads. The question is, does that really make any sense? Like if you actually think about it, is reaching a consumer on TikTok different than reaching a consumer on Peacock on a TV set? Like, is it really different? I know lots of legacy ad executives would say, oh, my God, it's apples and oranges. And I saw the way they reacted to our piece this week. But the reality is time and attention is time and attention. And if it moves a car off a lot or a product off a shelf, this arbitrary screen size definition is complete and utter bullshit.
1: Rich, I'm watching the Euros on ESPN. And one thing I've noticed around <laughs> these matches is when you're up one yeah. nothing and you yeah. go into defensive mode, you end up giving up a late goal in extra time. Prevent defense. Atlanta Falcons, New England Patriots. Yeah. Philadelphia 76ers up 26 points. In the words of Herm Edwards, <sighs> you play, play to win, win the, game. the game. If yeah. you're in defensive mode and you're not playing to win this game, you're going to lose.
0: Love that. That, I is, love that is a great summary.
2: That should be the title <laughs> of our blog, Play to Win. You, you play I think i going to use that. Play to win.
0: We could use Herm. Video firm in there. Speaking of TikTok,
2: we've got a billboard story. TikTok creators will soon get to upload videos up to three minutes, a marked increase from the current one minute limit. No surprise here because they've been doing this over in China yeah, with I was the, the say, corollary, which is Doyen.
0: Yeah, we know, we know the exact TikTok playbook for the rest of the world, including the US, because we've seen exactly how they've they've done things in China.
2: Well, we've also seen this little company that you may have heard of called YouTube. Remember when YouTube was effectively, you know, Charlie bit my finger was what, a minute? I don't even know. Probably not even a minute. Like Double Rainbow. These were all very short little clip videos. And then all of a sudden, YouTube slowly, methodically. I remember when we first met the team at Brat. Remember, it was like six-minute videos and seven-minute videos. And then it was 12 and 20-minute videos and like just... These things expand, get people's attention, get them. Greater, addicted.
0: greater video, just a giant video platform with well and and other things with lots to do of, of various lengths. But we also I think they are also at some point going to really want to put professional content onto TikTok based on some of the conversations that we've had in various meetings.
2: Yeah, I don't think that sounds crazy at all. I mean, I think the quality of the content, I mean, first of all, I think the quality of the content has, you know, moved up remarkably. I mean, when we first met Musical.ly and we did meetings with investors with Musical.ly, you think about how the quality of TikTok that, you know, just the entertainment no, value of TikTok. TikTok right? No, I know. But I mean, but I think the quality has moved up dramatically over the last six or seven years and giving people a little bit more
0: length. Well, that's still tools, right? And having such a good recommendation engine that you get the flywheel going. And when Musical.ly was a standalone company before TikTok, they were lacking a lot of those things.
2: This is all why we talked about last week, why Instagram is pivoting to video. I think Instagram sees the multi-year risk of what is happening over at TikTok. And is not, I don't think they're panicking, but I think they're certainly concerned about what's going on. Um, speaking of Facebook being concerned, we've got another major exodus from Facebook. Fiji Simo, who was in basically in charge of Facebook Blue, so the Blue app that you know, kind of the legacy Facebook app, um, she basically moved up from video and had moved all the way up the ranks to running all of Facebook Blue over the last couple of years. Um, Deidre Bosso has a, the breaking news. Instacart taps Fiji SEMO, head of Facebook app, as next CEO. SEMO replaces founder Apurov of of Mehta August 2nd. SEMO among highest ranking female execs at Facebook after Samberg and Marnie Levin. What it doesn't mention in this tweet is Carolyn Everson, who yeah, is was the second right. highest rated female or yeah, ranking ra- female, ranked. Ranked. Ranked, <laughs> ranked female at Facebook, uh, quit two weeks ago. So they've lost two of their most senior female executives in as many weeks. Forget about even female. They've lost two of their top executives at yep. the company in the last couple of weeks. And just the, interesting. Was the
0: article today, Rich, or that came out last yesterday, night, yeah, um, <laughs> which doesn't paint the best picture. What was the article about?
2: Basically, just tension between Zuckerberg and Sandberg, you know, over the handling no, of no, Trump. That was, and, that was the
1: profile of Cecilia Kang's book, right? That was just an excerpt from her book, which is it coming was. out in a week or so. Yeah. Should be but a good it ties to that. She's a good writer. WAPO, and I think there's a couple other places. Yep. So. It'll be but very I think interesting. He was a co author, but Cecilia's the one we know.
2: Um, let's move on to Roblox, Brandon.
0: Well, Roblox. Uh, in Gadget, Roblox deal with Sony will create legal in game music experiences. And we've written about this in the past. Music is going to be a big part of what happens on Roblox. It's very core to their strategy. It's why um, Warner Music was a big investor in their final pre, pre-IPO um, round. And now they're going to be, they worked out a big deal with um, Sony and I'm sure you're going to see a universal deal. Um, it, well, remember they're getting the sued by America.
2: the music publishers too. So like, I think this just shows oh, that Roblox recognizes... They know what they got to do. You got to pay the money.
0: Like if you, if you listen to that podcast that we highlighted, um, uh, that interview with John Vlasipusis, I mean, he basically talks about how core um, music is to every experience that we have Um, in, in the real world, there's a soundtrack to it and how that's how it's going to be also in the metaverse and talks about how they started slow with licensing, you know, uh, some more independent music, but we're we're going to grow with that, and they've had good traction as as um, Fortnite with some of their concerts and other music experiences. You're going to see emotes um, introduced.
2: I love when you say emotes. I love what it.
0: what is an emote? What is that? So here's a good example: the dances in in Fortnite. Yeah, but only now you could have ones that are musical emotes so you could play like a little musical jingle okay well there's private companies working on this anyway
1: got it
2: don't sound so excited walter i
1: know you're i'm sure people are to hold into it 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 back. Not, not my thing it's fine
2: um i just i have to laugh uh, I, i'm going to read this but we've got the streamable saying no uh, no Stop. you want to Okay. Start, start with start. Josh Cosman.
0: Okay, we'll start, start so, with Josh Cosman. From Cecilia
1: first. Kang to Josh, Josh Cosman. Josh Cosman. That's quite I a, a Josh I,
0: I want Walt to read this one. <laughs> Exclusive! <To> read it. <laughs> Which part? Is, the top or, or the bottom? Random the bottom. The bottom. Just, Fred Wilpon just sale of New York. <laughs>
1: The, f- the headline is, first of all, to his and others from the New York Post defense, they don't write the headlines. It's a whole different group. But Fred Wilpon's sale of New York Mets broadcast channel SNY, a dud. Mm-hmm. He may have sold the New York Mets for a record price last year, but Fred Wilpon is striking out when it comes to selling SNY. Um.
2: Then there's a story on top of that. From well, basically saying,
0: in, in that one saying that, you know, Sinclair, Yes Network, Etc. cetera, were not interested. MSG Networks wasn't even in the article, um, which I found interesting.
2: But then it says Sinclair reportedly, so they weren't interested supposedly in SNY, but Sinclair reportedly looking to buy the NBC Sports Regional Sports Networks. Now, Sinclair has taken the Fox Sports, which is the old RSNs from 1.6 billion down to potentially 300 million over the next 12 months. And so they're, you know, Edging closer and closer to you know uh, a, a bankruptcy situation, <laughs> and yet somehow, and yet somehow, these regional sports networks are going to pay a big price to buy the NBC Sports regional sports network. So, look, I guess anything is possible, but it it just strikes me that there, there is something really really wrong um, in this story because I just can't imagine how Sinclair is actually in a position. Look, unless they're going to take their good, you know, the beauty of the Sinclair RSN deal was that they created a separate silo, the debt attached to it was only tied to the RSNs unless they're going to take the good cash flow from their TV business and put it into the bad RSN business, which would be catastrophic for its equity. I don't see how they're doing this because I can't imagine the RSN business being in a situation to raise more capital as that business continues to struggle. So it'll be interesting to see what plays out, but I'm sort of calling bullshit on that story. Um, Maybe Sinclair
0: wants the dollar cost to average down. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, a great dollar question. Yeah, great. But here we've got Amal Shama, um saying, Hello, Sunshine, the media company behind Big Little Lies in the morning show began pursuing a sale after receiving interest from suitors, including Apple. Scoop from Ben Mullen and Carol Lombardo. Ooh. This is just interesting because there's obviously this arms race for IP right now. Amazon buying MGM. We just mentioned sort of Disney merging with Fox. You know, Zaslav saying he's not done. All of this ties to everybody wants more high profile content producers. Yep. I think Netflix just re-signed Shonda Rhimes this this week to a, a new big contract, like after the Bridgerton kind of blowout yeah, success. Was- like everyone is looking to align themselves with content creators. And I think what this sort of proves, when you think of Chris Malandandri at Illumination, Jason Blum of Blumhouse, The producers are sort of the the talent that is kind of creating these things is becoming more and more powerful and they're creating their own franchise companies on their own that the media companies then have to partner with or buy. I think partnering is probably the more likely option looking at what like Blumhouse and and Illumination have done, but it really shows how power is shifting towards these producers that can really build kind of brands and franchises within their own companies. And I think if you look at Reese, what she's done with building a book club and TV and movies and sort of how they all this sort of flow together is really fascinating.
0: All fertile for brand new IP, which is, is Apple, again, still not interested in any catalog only. one. Sure. So, so something like MGM, less attractive to their Strategy where it's all about like sort of catalog stuff has been much more interested in brand new shows and IP, which is what the creation has been at. Hello Sunshine, natural f- fit because of the morning show and other things.
2: But it could also just, be a perfect fit for HBO. Oh, sorry, Walt, I was just okay. a perfect fit for HBO. Because they've done the whole rom com deal. They obviously did the J.J. Abrams deal with Bad Robot with HBO or with Warner Brothers and HBO Max. Like, this could be the type of deal that David Zaslov's even talking about. That obviously it's not his company yet, like but this could be top top top. the type of tuck in acquisition for Warner Media that actually could happen now. Sorry, Walt.
1: No, I just want to verify that Hello Sunshine, in fact, does not use an algorithm to generate its uh, content, right? It's 40 <laughs> minutes do. or 200 minutes of content just verify uh,
0: it's it's AI content.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Algo, not. the Algo
2: movie. Um, just to, this sort of ties back to Brandon's point, uh, and the live nation video at the beginning, we've got a DLP town square tweet saying breaking Disneyland Paris acts as the complimentary fast pass system. It's replaced by the Disney premier access One shot accesses to attraction starting at eight euros per attraction per person, by the way, depending on the day and it rises in peak season. So just like Disney in the picture behind me is doing premier access for Black Widow, where it's thirty dollars on top of being, you know, you have to pay to access Disney Plus. In this case, you have to pay to access the Disney parks on top of it. Thirty dollars for Black Widow. In this case, eight euros per person per ride um, to skip the lines. Uh, I like the the
0: real dynamic pricing. It kind it's, of, rebu- And trying to sort of squeeze the most out of the people who have the resources for it. Who have saved their entire life to afford the hotel
1: pricing. in the past in the first place. It's horrible.
2: <laughs> it is really aggressive, I guess, was my takeaway. And Walt, it says this is being expanded to Shanghai shortly. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it works throughout Asia, whether they bring it to the U.S. at some point as well, which just... um just keeps getting more and more expensive. Maybe not shocking, but really shows you how they're trying to, as Brandon pointed out, really take advantage of, uh, of the pricing dynamic.
0: Just price more efficiently in general. Dynamic pricing. It well, They makes, don't price
1: efficiently because if you've ever been to a park in the last five years, it's like wall-to-wall price more people. more efficiently. Right. So they, yeah. know, that's not even talking about it. It's just...
0: As opposed to I knew that was going to irritate the you. The one-size-fits-all that you...
1: But then Um, it can't fit all because if you're pricing it up to reduce the traffic and to do this, then you're basically pricing more people out of the market altogether. Right. So this
2: doesn't
0: doesn't price you out. Absolute premium experience.
1: It doesn't price you. But what's your experience? And, you know, being like a cattle car walking through the park and waiting three hours (laughs) to get on What What rides
0: remain? Think about going to a concert. The difference when you're sitting in the first few rows at the concerts a lot. Is it really that different than, than sitting, in sitting in the like behind the stage? I think scared. there's a
1: difference between waiting three hours in line for a 10-minute ride or a five-minute ride versus two-minute ride or a sitting in the upper deck of a of a stadium. I just do. You're at least experiencing you're in the stadium experiencing something, mm-hmm. not the body odor of the people around you in your three-hour <laughs> line wait. Okay,
2: let's on that note. Uh, we got Fubo. Uh, this happened right <laughs> after, of course. We recorded our podcast on uh, on on Thursday, but this actually hang happened. On,
0: hang on, I want to stop this podcast because Why? this is the Rich Greenfield soliloquy portion of the podcast. Go ahead. No, this th-
2: this is just this was amazing because this is a tweet or this is a, a, a an 8K that got filed at 5 p.m. on the Friday before July Fourth weekend. So, like, this was clearly trying to say, hey. Let's bury this, let's hope nobody sees it. So Fubo chief financial officer exiting to pursue other opportunities. Um, Stock slips 1% after hours. The the 1% was obviously pretty funny um, considering it was after hours on before July 4th. But this is the second CFO that Fubo has lost. They lost their CFO in 2019. Now they lost their next CFO in 2021. you know, hard to believe it doesn't mean something to lose two CFOs in a sh- relatively short period of time. Uh, we've continued to question whether this is, uh, you know, we think there's a business. We just think it's a very small business relative to its multi-billion dollar market cap. And, um, you know, maybe the CFOs are starting to realize that that's actually factually true, but we'll say it'll be interesting to watch what happens here as they go through
0: earnings. And your prior segment was brought to you by YouTube TV. <laughs> I was, well, I I was what actually we really sponsor- creative. Continuing on with that. Well, I, don't, I don't think this segment's over yet. Segments. Brandon, I don't no, think this, this segment's over, not yet. Not over yet. Yeah, it's but not we over could yet. have a different sponsor for Solilo. Uh, this is a post
1: credit on the, same, <laughs> on the same segment.
0: No,
2: because this is actually, you guys were wrong. So you guys told me, you guys reacted and said, apes don't care about dilution. So you said that the meme investors didn't care about being diluted. So here's Adam Aaron, head of AMC, saying, it's no secret I think shareholders should authorize 25 million more AMC shares. But what you think is important to us, many yes, many no, AMC does not want to proceed with such a split. So we're canceling the July vote on more shares and no more such requests. I guess it's 2021. not what they think,
1: it's what they vote. So it's not thinking, it's not like he's doing what they think, it's just he couldn't get the votes. So which you're right, I'm surprised I, I got that wrong. Um, I once again am befuddled by the thought process. But, but fun, I mean, you could argue like there hey, is no I thought process. No, they're that no we're going to buy new shares, and like now, no they, now they now now they prevented this company from being able to reinvent itself by issuing shares at this price. To- yes, it's incredible. It's literally incredible. The one thing that
2: could actually make the shorts blow up, they're preventing.
0: It's, and it's that just prior amazing. segment was brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> so, uh,
2: so we we've been having a big debate at Light Shed this week because uh, we've got Black Widow is in. Actually, it had a huge. We should just say on the podcast, it had a massive Thursday, thirteen million in in, in Thursday sales. That is far above. I think. I
1: well, think that's shocking, numbers. Rich, because yesterday you were showing me movie theaters in New York City that
0: were empty. So how? Where did all these? Where did all this revenue come from, Rich? <laughs> Rich was, what what Walt's referring to is Rich was going on to, all of the
1: uh, all of the theaters th- that were empty, and then I was alternatively sending, sending him all the Westchester theaters shots. that were packed <laughs> in Dolby Digital and IMAX. Walt was saying he couldn't get back, back
0: and forth. I, I looked down at my WhatsApp and there were like 98 messages. Well, Rich then tried back to, and is trying to, this.
1: he's, he's going to try and bear trap them on this one by saying, trying to relate it to Captain Marvel. And as Marvel universe watchers will realize Captain Marvel was an integral part and she was the exit on the post credit and was an integral part to the biggest movie of all time. Endgame. Um, at a time when, you know, a female heroine was particularly important. So Captain Marvel, to me, is not the comp. I had a discussion with our family about this last so night. So what, Chicago, is, the what is the comp? What is what the is comp? <laughs> yeah, what Zach, is the comp? Uh, no joke, Zach, one of my teenage Marvel yeah. fanatics, his initial thing was Ant-Man, and Ant-Man was $58 million. But we're not going to go there,
0: because that's Rich, on, Rich wanted a a conve- So Look, Rich, Rich wanted to compare come the openings. Come on, Ant-Man. So let's level set for everyone uh, on what the debate was. The debate was, okay, what is this going to do opening weekend, and what does that mean for the health of the current um theatrical, theatrical. Experience no, no, no. I, relative actually, what to it? what it was before and rich wanted to compare it to captain marvel which did what 180 150 160, 160 whatever like that. it was yeah, something... and walt wanted to compare it to i never said anything i said
1: i'm going to reveal okay. my pick now i'm just giving you the background okay. zach said and i think that was Ant the Man debate that went on for more. two hours maybe, maybe um uh what's what's the guy the black um the winter soldier which i think was in like the 80 ish ballpark so I think I think probably, you know, look, you've got pent up demand from COVID. You got on the flip side, Disney's gonna let you pay what, thirty bucks to watch it at home. But I think you're probably gonna be, you know, the tough call is gonna it's gonna be around hundred million, right? It, whether you're over or under. So now that, that Mark a is success given success
0: or not is the question. Well, I think I that think is it as actually you were debating.
1: I think it could
2: actually be more than a hundred based on that Thursday number. I think it could actually no, be one ten or one twenty number. Based
1: on the data that Mark just gave, that it's looking like it could top a um, hundred million, but day one, day, one, my number, don't day one gives you bragging rights, right? That you've been in the theater day two. You can, you can rent it. I can rent it on Disney today for 30 bucks now, yep. but it was watching Marvel in the theater. And this is what I was telling you before you want to watch in the Dolby cinema IMAX. That's why the other theaters were not full. So like, I, I think bet. this pushed to get back and watching it in that experience. You're probably going to be over hundred million, but dude, 150 million is just, I think that's kind of silly Given that if you look globally, we, we have a fucking pandemic going on, right? And there's certain states that have there's there's actually a you know, a problem, right? And you can fucking rent it for thirty dollars and watch it at home and everyone's got great TVs now.
0: So I think a point Walt just made is getting back to the bigger experience. And he mentioned IMAX. My guess is that this way over indexes an in IMAX.
1: I don't know yeah, if we I mean, have any. But if you look at those theaters, I mean, I was number, looking, possibly. I couldn't get a seat in IMAX or um, the Dolby theaters and the, uh, but the other theaters, they had plenty of seats. That's people want to go to those better experiences. So message to the apes, get Adam Aaron to convert their theaters from those shitty, like ones that, that are basically the size of my television to theaters that are Dolby digital or IMAX. And then they, maybe that's how the theaters can, can recover some amount of revenue thoughts, rich. Um, I think
2: the reality is, you know, thirty dollars to watch it at home. I think it'll probably do bigger. I don't know. I think the fanatics are going to go see I, it in the I theaters. Think it, I think
0: it's too much to charge th- to watch. It it's a home.
2: lot to charge to sit at home. To your point,
0: we've my never, guess is we've never liked pivot though. As a group, I think it's a tough.
2: I mean, look, I think it'll do a you know, could it do a couple million transactions? Maybe even three million transactions. Sure. I don't think it blows the doors off. Maybe it works better overseas where COVID is more problematic than it does, is does here right numbers,
1: now. Does the home $30 go into the first weekend? I mean, well, that's a numbers. whole longer story. The talent,
2: yes, it obviously impacts no, no, no. the talent. I'm saying, they I'm saying the
1: number that's going to say who was right and who was wrong on Monday or Tuesday. Does, that's it does not. It's a separate yet. number.
2: Antenna will probably help provide some data. You'll probably see Antenna come out. My guess is sometime next week and give you some color on what the buy rates look like relative to Mulan and Raya, which were the other two big premium access titles. But I don't think you'll see anything from Disney on the, the size of that number, no. I want to call an audible though. Normally we would wrap up now, but there was something really big that just happened that I think is worth bringing up to wrap on. So I'm going to bring it up on the screen. We're or Apple is in early talks with the NFL on Sunday ticket games. Reports the information. Oh,
1: that would be awesome. So it's, I, it's, I,
0: I, we've talked about this for forever. It is. I know. Perfect, I just thought perfect, it would be a perfect fit, and it's perfect. And for Apple, if they want to make their way into sports, and we could remember on WWE's last earnings call, Nick Khan saying that Apple was trying to do something in sports, right? And he was already right on his other predictions, Amazon, NHL, et cetera.
2: That's why I thought it was Not a great that, way that, to end. That, that, I that, thought that, it that. tied yep. perfectly. And but, God, but and it fits Sunday ticket with on Apple App would be amazing.
0: Approach.
1: So, for all of our NFL and um, Apple podcast listeners, and we know you're out there, please make this happen. I'm begging you. I would love Sunday ticket on Apple. Yes,
0: we do know you're out there. <laughs> it, would T- it would
2: not be good for direct it would not be good for direct tv <laughs> subscribers i assume though uh that would be i mean they're, they're well, we losing already, it anyway we so already makes- know
0: DirecTV right. is, yeah we already know losing it, so gone. it's a matter of where where does it go and it's always been a premium product apple is a more premium brand also yeah um it could be it doesn't have to be integrated into um apple television or apple tv plus it could be it's a standalone and that's it what another one that? for walt this was but for you walt. gotta you gotta make it a you little make louder. it louder
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Starman>. <laughs> we didn't talk about starlink
0: this week Amazing.
1: i know but so we're
0: we're doing it now
2: are you going to see Black Widow tonight?
1: Billy has to work, so I think we're gonna to have to put that off, unfortunately, until later. I wanted to go yesterday and couldn't go. But to you are that. not gonna watch
2: it at home, just to be officially clear.
1: Um, to me, that is a theater experience that needs to be had. It's a marvel. It's the first real one. I know Spider-Man came out, but this is the first, you know, whatever. What they call it, Zone Four, Phase Four. Oh. You know. Brandon's singing.
2: I love this. Brandon loves (laughs) this more than Walt, I think. That's the best part about this.
0: That's
2: That's episode 63, everyone. Of course. It's a Walter celebration, so why not?
0: said no one could hear you walt but walt said have a great weekend everyone Bye-bye. and we'll